Hey, welcome. It is 11.07. In a few minutes, a, a post, uh, apparently, that uh, has got a lot of people upset in uh, in Colombia. I don't understand why they're upset, but we'll, we'll discuss it with you. Uh, in the meantime, this whole trans thing, which we've been talking about, is so stupid. It is so absolutely insane. These people have a mental illness, and it's being encouraged by the left. And apparently, uh, litigation seems to be the solution. So, apparently, uh, Tucker Carlson had a conversation with a uh, young lady who is suing because they told her she could be a man. She could be a male. Uh, and they did some pretty radical surgery on her. Armeet Dillon is uh, uh, actually uh, her attorney. Uh, here's part of that interview with Tucker Carlson. Um, so I'm, it's a medical malpractice case. I want to hold the adults who put me in harm's way accountable because, I mean, what happened to me is horrible, but it's also, it didn't only happen to me. That's the worst part. It's happening to children all over the U.S., all over the, all over the, um, all over the West, and it's spreading all over the world. And yes. I want to be able to create a precedent for other people who have been in my situation to find justice themselves. How, how old were you when you were told by a doctor that you could become a different sex? I was 12. Tw you were 12 years old. Um, and did you, I mean, I assume at 12 you believe what a doctor tells you. And my parents trusted them as well. They, um, my parents, they started referring, I, I was 12 years old when I first expressed to them that I had distress with my gender, with being female, and that I wanted to transition to male. And they, they were concerned, and they wanted what was best for me, but they weren't really sure what to do with me, so they sought professional help. And from then on, I was basically affirmed in my gender identity without any questioning from any medical professionals, and they pushed transitioning as the way to treat gender dysphoria. It's, it's, so, it's so upsetting, it's hard even to ask you questions, but I'll ask you one more. They committed surgery on you. Yes. When I was 15 years old, I had a double mastectomy. They removed both of my breasts, and I will never have them back. I will, as an adult, I never will be able to breastfeed whatever children I will have. I don't even know if, because I was put on puberty blockers and testosterone at only 13 years old, I don't know if I'll even be able to conceive a child naturally. That is just ugly. And if enough lawsuits uh, are filed, then the marketplace will change. Because it, it will actually stop hospitals. The, the fear that they could be... Um, that they could, you know, lose tons of money... Um, just might make them stop doing this to kids. It is incredibly ugly that they would do this. Absolutely, positively ugly. These kids are irreversible. And you know what the, they're telling the kid, the parents? Well, if you don't do this, your kids will commit suicide. So the parents believe they're stuck with two choices. Either a, a, a dead daughter or, or alive transgender and they of course 
want their kids to live. So, you know, if the medical experts tell you you need an appendectomy, you get the appendectomy. If they tell you you need a sex change, well, other people are doing it. It must be right. It's insane. Uh, on the Alex Jones case, the parents claimed that their reputations were damaged and that Alex Jones' statements had resulted in them getting death threats from Jones' followers. Uh, Jones was an easy target. Uh, he, his uh, conspiratorial approach to news is distasteful, writes Red State. He uses a criminal act as a fundraising instrument by denying the slaughter of 26 people uh, had happened wrong by any standard. Uh, but before we cheer the vengeful herp, uh, harpies uh, of wrong speak, we must consider the impact. I do this because of Bob, who keeps sending me messages about this trial. I'm not a lawyer, but putting aside the bizarre fact that Jones' legal team permitted a default judgment against him, it's difficult to understand why the Jones lawsuit was ever allowed. As a matter of fact, it's doubtful that anyone associated with the Sandy Hook shooting suffered reputational damage. No matter what Jones claimed, there was never a national movement that said, hey, that shooting at Sandy Hook was bogus. On the contrary, President Obama eulogized the victims. Now, you could plausibly claim that having Obama associated with anything uh, damages the reputation of all involved, but that is not the claim made in the lawsuit. The plaintiffs claim they were injured because Jones urged listeners not to believe the interviews they gave. Hurt feelings do not equate to a reputational loss. Accusations made against you by fringe figures don't hurt your reputation. If receiving death threats based on the public statements of the subject of a story opened that uh, uh, that person to financial liability, many red state writers would be independently wealthy and looking forward to a cushy and early retirement. The trial was nothing more than using legal process to punish an unpopular person for saying stupid stuff. Using the same facts in the, uh, in the Jones case, uh, you, uh, uh, for Carolyn Edwards, Akito uh, Gunnell, Harry Dunn, Daniel Hodges, Michael Fanon, uh, or any other police officer involved in the January 6th demonstration. Under the Jones standard, they're entitled to relief from reputational harm if anyone claims they were in no danger because they were. They would win if anyone claimed that saying the events of January 6th were not an insurrection as they have publicly taken that position and contrary claims harm their reputations. They would be entitled to monetary damages from anyone who expressed sympathy for the demonstrators and suggested that the cold-blooded murder of Ashley Babbitt and the apparent beating death of Roseanne Boyland were anything but justified again because of reputational damage. Any threats they received could be attributed to statements criticizing their public words and actions. This, this is the, these are the details of the case. And the Jones case should be appealed. Th this should not be allowed to stand. Uh, I don't like Jones. I think he's horrible. Uh, I think he, he does damage to the reputation of everybody in the industry that I work for. It should have been dismissed. It was a violation of the First Amendment. 
All right, let me move on uh, so people understand what this uh, what that case was all about. Uh, speaking of free speech, this one, this one, University of Missouri students, uh, they have raised objections because flyers were posted on the campus, and I'll tell you what the what the flyers said next on the Gary Nolan Show. It's the Zimmer Radio Network. It is uh, 19 minutes after 11 o'clock. So apparently uh, there are some students who are upset uh, because there were some flyers posted that uh, they, they had the hubris, the audacity to say it's okay to be white. Uh, and they also said white lives matter. Now, are any of those statements, either of those statements untrue? I don't think so. It's okay to be white. It's okay to be black. It's okay to be anything you want to be. It's o- Whatever you are, it's okay to be that. Your race doesn't matter. But apparently, the young democratic socialists of America think the school should have taken them down. Logan Carter said this. Why? Was, was it a lie? No, it's not a lie. It's absolutely right. One of the flyers also said, we must secure the existence of our people and future for white children. Well, that may irritate some people, but A, it is freedom of speech. And B, if you've got the 1619 Project and other institutional educational systems that are trying to uh, tell white people that they are somehow evil, bad, and and, uh, should be uh, contained, then it makes sense that somebody would say, we have to secure the existence of our people in the future for white children. White children are in danger. White children are in danger. Because the schools that we keep sending our kids to keep telling everybody, including those white kids, that somehow they're oppressors. The insanity of the left. This shouldn't even be, this shouldn't even, there shouldn't be a reason for anyone to post that. It is because of the progressives that this is an issue. Because they're liars. Uh, Let me go to the phones here on a Froster Buns Friday. John is first in line. John, welcome. How are you? I appreciate it. I guess I grew up in a tougher time. It must have been a lot tougher time because we used to have a saying when I was a young boy, it says, sticks and stones may hurt my bones, but words will never hurt me. And yeah. therefore, I just don't really pay much attention to some of this stuff. And oh, they, they can't even walk past a rock without getting upset. Yeah. That's, it just amazes me. I wonder how they would dealt with it. When they, if they would have been in a time frame when I was a young boy, what would they have done? I mean, that was the easy way. Sticks and stones will hurt my bones, but words will never hurt me. And we just, she shrug it off. It just doesn't bother me. Yeah. But when they try to take my rights, that bothers me because that touches the core of me and of this country. That's the, they came here for freedom. The yep. rights that they came here for. They come here to be oppressed. So. We are we are perverting the country in every way, and I don't know what the point is. What the hell do they want? 
Why are they destroying the greatest country the world has ever known? What is the point in destroying the United States? What exactly do you want? I guess they don't want it to exist anymore, and they want us to be like a lot of other countries where people don't have rights, and they can't speak. They can't do anything. They, they dislike that. Well, at that point, I think they're going to find out that it doesn't work very well for them because then they won't be able to speak and say what they're saying and doing. Yeah, we I have think... a lot of people went to war so that they could speak their mind. Yeah, I don't think they're then, aware. They I think they lack the perspicacity. All right, John, I got to move. Thank you. Glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. Paulette is next. Paulette, welcome. How are you? Hi. I'm 86 years old, and I've got something to say. I haven't said anything in a long time, but I want to say something about the America fight, the American fighting man. May I, please? Yeah. This fellow who just spoke to you, he's talked, he was relating to a time past. The American fight. See, this president said about the Afghanistan affair that the soldiers were cowards and abandoned the thing. Do you remember him saying that? That American soldiers... Yes, he said that. I heard him. I heard him on this station. And let me tell you, the American fight men, this, I'm going to tell you something. These are the guys. The American fight, this is the same guy who landed at the beach at Utah, walked across France in blood and mud, and then kicked the gates of Auschwitz open and slam the oven doors. I wonder what these men that fought at Bastogne, if they were brought back to life, would say about what's going on today, about transsexual or whatever. They wouldn't know what the hell you're talking about. These men died terrible. Do you see what happened at D-Day? That was terrible, honey. These were young men, beautiful young men, the flower of America. And they stuck with it. And because of what they did, we have the right to live this beautiful life in the greatest land in the world, the United States of America. And I, I'll tell you what I'd like to do. I want to sue the president for slander. I wonder if that's possible. Probably not. If I could get a lawyer who would do it, of course, you probably would give but it would be fun, don't you think? <laughs> Sue him. Because he, you know what he said about me? He said, I didn't love this country or honor the uh, Constitution of the United States. Me. Me. I'm 86 years old. I've been here, honey. All right, I don't Paula. know what's wrong with these people. Do they not listen? Well, I guess that's all I got to say. Well, right. I will say this, that the President of the United States, when he told those guys to, to get out of Afghanistan, I heard one man talking on your show, maybe, I don't know, somebody. He said they had to leave their dogs, their war dogs. They were told they had to leave them. It was the most horrible. Can you imagine that? You have to leave your, your dog that's been fighting with you. He's a veteran of the United States. He's a warrior. And he said some guys from Australia gathered him up and, and saved him. Yeah. All right, Paulette, you make a lot of sense. I appreciate the call. I really do. Thank you. All right, let me move on. It, but she does. She makes a lot of sense. Sharon, welcome. Glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. How are you? Fine. No, my heart goes out to that woman on Tucker's show. 
the transgender. And I think it's being pushed because they say these doctors are making billions of dollars on it. And um, I used to think years ago, because I was a single mother, I was trying to be the mother, father, chief bottle washer provider. I used to make the comments, I wish I was a man, because I thought if I was a man, I could have handled it better. But I never got to the point that I would go and change my physical body. But I have a uh, kind of a funny outlook on this. You know, when you have your tonsils taken out, that's called a tonsillectomy. When you have your appendix taken out, that's called a appendectomy. So I guess when well, be careful. become, huh? Uh, be careful, because they're going to use add as something. Yeah, be very, very careful. Well, I guess I can't finish it, but you know what I was going to say. Yeah, yeah, and add as something to me. All right, Sharon. Yeah, and a, thank, and a appendage to me. <laughs> thanks, Sharon. Right. Appreciate the call. Glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. 874-9390, toll-free number 800-529-5572. So I don't see, I would love to get one of these uh, Democrat Socialists of America on the program. Uh, like Logan Carter. Maybe we'll work on that because it's just it's nonsense. Uh, it, it, and it is, it is government schools. You got to wake up. I'm telling you. I've been saying this for years. Get your kids out of government schools. Get them out. You'll have to make sacrifices. I know. But get them out. Homeschool them if you can. Because if you don't, they will be day in and day out for a minimum of 12 years hammered with lies from the left. And when they graduate and you realize they're in a completely different political world than you, you will have the realization that those schools are the reason Good Lord, those schools are terrible. Uh, there is good news. A federal judge has blocked uh, Biden's uh, student loan forgiveness program. I touched on this earlier. Judge Mark Pittman said the Department of Education student loan forgiveness program is illegal. A lawsuit by the Job Creators Network Foundation argued the program violated federal procedures because borrowers were not able to comment on the program. The student debt relief program was unveiled in August and would cancel at least $10,000 worth of student debt uh, for anybody making under $125,000 a year. In October, a federal appeals court temporarily halted the loan forgiveness program, prohibiting the Biden administration from discharging any student loan debt. That was because, among other things, the state of Missouri sued to stop it. However, that did not stop the administration. Corinne Jean-Pierre said the program would still move full speed ahead. We don't give a rodent's rectum what the judges say. We don't care what the courts say. This is what we want to do, and we're going to do it. Something wrong with the balance of power when that happens. Berkeley is going to eliminate something we all take for granted here. That's next. Gary Nolan, Zimmer Radio Network. This is the Gary Nolan Show.
1135, glad to have you with us. I just get through talking about public schools. And then uh, I find out that uh, Senator Scott says uh, we're putting parents back in charge of their kids' education. Uh, Senator Tim Scott. And that's, that's what uh, the governor of Virginia ran on and a lot of uh, successful Republican candidates ran on. That's why school boards are being taken over by conservatives. Parents on both sides are really upset about what's going on in schools. Probably won't happen in Columbia because, well, uh, most of the people who uh, reside in the city are to the left. But Representative Eric Swalwell, uh, Brian has a different name for him, by the way. I'm, I'm not going to disclose that name, but flatulence is part of it. Uh, he responded to Senator Scott. He said, please tell me what I'm missing here. What are we doing next? Putting patients in charge of their own surgery? Clients in charge of their own trials? When did we stop trusting the experts? This is so stupid. I, I almost don't know where to begin, Brian. I know. I saw that. It's like, come on, really? Did he really say that? Is that yeah. something out of the Babylon Bee? That's to be expected from Eric. Well, you know, <laughs> I mean, it's just... Oh, boy, I don't want to be in the outer no. studio. <laughs> uh, no, uh-uh. Well, actually, you are in charge of your own health care. You, you do get to say, no, you're too I, I want stupid. a second opinion. Uh-uh, uh-uh. Only stupid. the government can decide who, I see. you know, educates your child. And you have no say-so. And open-heart surgery and teaching yeah, kids that's math. Comparable. Yeah, that's And teaching kids math are on the same plane, right? <laughs> oh, I can't. Clients in charge of their own trials? I believe you have a right to do that. Yes, you do. Wow, you may have a fool for a client, as they say, but you are allowed to do that. Well, what a moron. Can you believe that he is uh, a member of Congress? <laughs> hey, Fetterman is, too. I know. Yeah. They just keep getting dumber and dumber. Just amazing. All right, you, you pull up to a traffic light, and you see a sign that says, right turn on red. You wait for traffic to break, and you go. Seems pretty normal to me now. Didn't used to be that way, at least not in Ohio when I was growing up. Yeah, some states it's still illegal, you you know, on the, but they'll put up signs, no right turn on red, usually. Yeah. Um, so, apparently in, at, in Berkeley, they they may not be able to do that anymore. Alvy Singer famously said, about moving from New York to California. I don't want to move to a city where the only cultural advantage is being able to make a right a turn on red light. That incentive may no longer be true of Berkeley after the first steps in a proposal to ban right turns on red lights citywide was approved. From the way we design our roads to the rules we set for them, cars are given priority to the public right-of-way at the express detriment to pedestrians and cyclists, said a, uh, I, I'm sure not a conservative city council member in Berkeley. Uh, so they are... I wish you would have skipped this story because the people in the city of Columbia are probably... Living. Yes, yes. Well, you see, everybody thinks this is about traffic, but it's not. 
You see, the people in Berkeley have an aversion to anything that goes to the right. <laughs> and that's apparently the problem. That's what it is. That's It's political. Uh, turn right? No. Uh, no, no. No, we can't have that. Right turn on red is almost uniquely American maneuver, largely prohibited in other countries, most states, and able to move during the fuel crisis of the 1970s as a gas-saving measure. Seems to have worked rather well, uh, but apparently they don't like it in Berkeley, probably just because it's a turn to the right. Something, in fact, I would guess that uh, if you ride in Berkeley, all roads turn to the left. If they could, if they could uh, eliminate all uh, any other direction, they probably would. Oh my, 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 my! Oh, I always like... wondered why you can't make a left turn on right if it's completely clear. And you can see that no cars are coming. Left turn on red. Woo! Well, I mean, you are crossing oncoming traffic in this instance, but sometimes you can see that it's completely clear in all directions. Why should you sit there? Oh, boy. I know. I opened up another can of worms, didn't I? Well, there's very strict libertarians believe that the roads should not be government funded. Originally, roads weren't. Originally, roads were funded by private businesses. Or people would just take, you know, the straightest route between two points. But usually, like logging companies and things like that, they would uh, create roads so that they could get their products out to the marketplace. And then uh, private uh, private people could use them. And and so if you had all private roads, you might have a, a, a variety of different uh, different rules. I'm not sure if that would work or not. Uh, I know a lot of my libertarian friends believe that it would. And, and to a certain extent, I think there are things that the private marketplace could provide, including highways. But it would be... Um, it would be challenging to change that right now. But if they were, you might find places where they allow a left turn on red if, you know, the, the, the coast is clear. Or they might have an elevated, you know, ramp so that you could just go over the intersection and merge with traffic. But I don't think left on red is going to work too well. It, it just seems... There are no. there are intersections where it just it's not uh, safe to do that, but there are intersections. It's like, come on, I'm sitting here waiting for you know three four minutes, and there's nobody coming. Don't you hate doing that? I, I, it is. I, it's annoying. In 1978, in Northeast Ohio, we had an honest to god blizzard. It wasn't like a lot of snow and a lot of blowing and a lot of cold. It was a, the, it fit the technical definition of a blizzard. So I had <laughs> I love this story. I had to open the bar at five thirty in the morning, and when I drove to work, the wind was blowing. It was raining. It was warm, and I got there and I opened the bar at five thirty, and as the morning rolled on, it got colder. The snow started coming down. The wind was blowing. The Nolan's neon light was rocking in the wind, and I mean that light was on a very heavy steel pole. It was blowing cold. 
I was supposed to get off at 10 o'clock in the morning. The, the barmaid that, uh, that worked that shift, I worked from 5.30 until 10, and then she would come in and work the next shift. She couldn't get out of her driveway. By 10 o'clock in the morning, it was that bad. She would have worked until 4 o'clock, but since she couldn't make it, I worked until 4 o'clock, and the relief couldn't get in. She was snowed in, too. So I worked all the way through until 1 o'clock in the morning when the bar closed. So I was on duty from 5.30 to 1 a.m. I had to drive home because there was no heat in the house, and my mother was was ill. She had cancer. So I drove home and... uh, Took a hot shower, get the hot water tank fired up, uh, started a fire, try and get the house warm, and then turned around and drove back to open the bar at 5.30. So now I'm prepared for this, but I'm wearing these really thick glasses because I have very poor vision. And I'm wearing one of those hats like they, you know, Nanica the North thing where they <laughs> pull down over your, your ears and... Uh, I'm wearing a heavy coat, and it's desolate. I mean desolate. There's drifting snow, and it's dark, and it's sub-zero temperatures. The wind is whipping, and I'm heading for a traffic light. And I can tell you the intersection, if you're familiar with the city, in Middleburg Heights, it was Bagley and Pearl. Middleburg Heights. I'm driving toward that traffic light. It is now about... 4.30 4.30 in the morning. And I look around and there is no traffic coming. The snow is deep and I don't want to stop. Because I think if I stop and I get stuck, I could die there. And frankly, there was only one other car on the road. It was way, way behind me. I could see the headlights. So I roll through the traffic light. And I look in the mirror and that car that was way behind me <laughs> was a police car. So he, you know, I start to slow down, but I don't want to stop. He pulls up alongside me. He doesn't want to stop either. He brings down his window, red and blue lights flashing, and says, you didn't stop at that red light. And I said, no, I was afraid I might not get started again. And he said, well, you could have caused an accident. (laughs) Well, who with? We're the only two people in the entire city on the road. Oh, and he he did not stop. He kept his, his... He kept rolling right alongside me, the two of us talking. (laughs) And he let me go. And you're not in a four-wheel drive either, are you? No, I was in a 1977 Pontiac Grand Prix. Lovely car. But it's amazing that uh, you were able to make it there. Yeah. car was good in the snow. It really was, surprisingly. Uh, I don't know. People are crazy. Right turn on red. All right, back to wrap it up. You're listening to The Gary Nolan Show, and it's the Zimmer Radio Network. So Brian apparently is also a blizzard scofflaw. I am, yes. Uh-huh. You you broke the law? You, you I drove did, yeah. It was probably stopping. 20-some years ago here in Columbia when we had like 17 inches of snow. I mean, it was a fierce snowstorm. And I get a call from the program director who said... Uh, Hey, can you get in? I don't suppose you can get in, can you? And I said, yeah, I probably can. I have a four-wheel drive. Shouldn't be too much of a problem. They said, well, if you can get in, then go ahead and do these things. And once you've done that, you can get back home. 
And so I get on the road, and it's like, holy cow, there's no tracks at all. Nobody is on the road. Nobody with any brain, anyway. <laughs> That's why I was driving, by the way. Yes, I was going to say that. So, so I get to some major intersections like uh, Providence and Nifong, and there's still no tracks. And the light is red. And I was like, the heck with it. I'm, I'm going. No sense in stopping. So, yeah, I, I don't think You did I, the same thing. Yeah, you yeah, don't want to stop. I didn't stop for anything. You don't want to take the risk of not being able to start again. For what purpose mind, would be to stop the vehicle? I don't mind driving in the snow. Uh, I can use the snow uh, to control the car. But I hate, especially if it's at night, when the snow is blowing yeah. toward the windshield and you got your lights on. It's just literally blinding. It's not a matter of controlling the car. It's that you can't see. Yeah, and you can't see where on the original road that you're supposed to be driving because Didn't, no one, there's no tracks. You have yeah. to guess. Didn't you and I do something similar to that last year? We were both driving to CC's? I think so. And uh, we, it was, it was uh, I think it was pouring down rain. Oh, yes, yes, yes. And we and was, missed, the, uh, missed the turn. Yeah, it was raining so hard you couldn't see the street. You couldn't tell where you were at. I mean, I had never seen it that dark before because usually the, uh, the lights illuminate where you're going. But even the car lights, it, it wasn't helping. It's like, I just missed the turn. <laughs> and I've yeah. been by here thousands of times. I can't believe it. I've discovered that... Uh, because this is when they didn't have the road striped yet. Yeah, that's why. That's why we got kind of got confused. Yeah, it was it was a t it was a tough little ride. But what I've discovered is that because of my work schedule, I almost never drive at night. I'm almost always home before dark. So when I do go out and drive at night, it's like holy Toledo. How do people do this? <laughs> Like, whoa, uh, I don't know. All right, listen, uh, the stock market has been uh, somewhat gleeful because the rate of inflation continues to go up at a slower level. Uh, what that means in the minds of some is, ah, we're going to be okay. We're going to have a soft landing. And I suppose it's still possible, but I still don't know that it's, I don't think it's likely uh, because it is still going up much faster than it should. And uh, the prices for goods uh, went down like four-tenths of a percent from September to October. Uh, durables like appliances. Uh, Wall Street Journal says this is a result of a cooling housing market. And it's the kind of demand destruction the Fed says it wants to achieve. Prices for services, in contrast, rose a half a percent. So, in other words, you're seeing this def uh, the inflation go up at a slower pace because people can't afford to buy anything. <laughs> the good news is inflation is going up more slowly. The bad news is uh, the ripple effect, and it's going to be a lagging effect, could be devastating. And I, and I tend to think that it will be. Um, Wall Street Journal says uh, that uh, one consequence of leaning on the Fed to fight inflation on its own by suppressing demand is that households are left with few ways to boost their standard of living. Inflation-adjusted weekly earnings fell in October 
and are now down 3.7% for the last 12 months. At this rate, it's going to take a long time for households to recover the purchasing power that they've lost during this inflationary bout. That's the interest you're paying on the money the government gave you when Trump was leaving office and Biden was getting in. Congress and the Biden administration could help with policies to stimulate productive investment to fuel new supply and real wage growth. But on Wednesday, the president said he ain't changing anything. He doesn't like trickle down. But if the government, if we could just reduce the size of government, if we could quit paying people with money that doesn't exist, quit paying people who aren't producing wealth, we could still come in with a soft landing. And what I mean by producing wealth is, <clears throat> the, if you're a government employee, you don't produce wealth. You don't. You're not making pencils. You're not making cars. You're not making anything. You're just getting paid to regulate. That doesn't create wealth. In fact, if anything, most regulations simply take wealth. If the Republicans can take over the House of Representatives and curtail the spending, that would actually help Biden. And it would be worth it. Because you can't, you can't have that soft landing if the only people working to control inflation are the folks at the feds, at the Federal Reserve. you got to cut spending. And you can't tax enough to pay the bills. There just isn't enough money in society to pay the bills and still have money for the, for the economy to move. Hopefully... Democrats learn the lesson. But time will tell. Finally this, and i got to run with this one. Uh, apparently, it might not be until Monday until the votes in Clark County are, are counted. It shouldn't take that long. They should have known the results that night. The problem is mail-in votes. The government needs to stop it. Whatever it is in life that you want, go out and get it. Don't wait for the government to drop it in your lap. You make it happen. You seize the day. Carpe diem. Gwen, baby. Honey, I'm coming home.